On this week's episode, She-Hulk is ready for court. Let's get ready to Rumbleverse. And is it one D&D to rule them all? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, The Lakers Fast Break, Vampires, and Vitae, also as well, everything that we do, including Wizards and Wine and Wild Beyond the Witchlight, plus everything that we do on Facebook at Pop Culture Cosmos, because we're the number one tabletop RPG streamer that's out there on Facebook. If you can check out all of our many hours, and there's many hours, of tabletop RPG streaming right there for you that we do each and every week at Pop Culture Cosmos, plus we cover the latest news and trends in pop culture every week right there at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. Plus, popculturecosmos.com. We've got a ton of things for you to like, share, and subscribe to. And if you could do all of that, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a PCC Multiverse without my good friend. She is our own streaming queen of Pop Culture Cosmos. And I told you I would do that before I start the show. That's what happens when you give me advice on OBS. Yeah, you right. Go ahead you got to go ahead and check her out today at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. Of course, Vampires and Vitae, when her and her husband Rob gets the whole gang together to go ahead and suck some blood each and every week at Vampires and Vitae. Plus also as well, Wild Beyond the Witchlight, part of the Wizards and Wine Emporium each and every week. You can check out that ongoing action every week at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook and podcasts by Melinda on Facebook. It is my good friend. It is Melinda Barkhouse Ross. And Melinda, before we go on the air and talk about all the great things going on in pop culture, I just wanted to drop something for you that I haven't told you yet. I was doing one of the shows recently for the Lakers Fast Break, and we were on the air live, and we always have a great chat room experience. There's a ton of people that actually stop by to go ahead and leave their comments on what's going on with the NBA and all that. Alan, who's a good guy and just appreciate everything that he does as far as in that chat room, dropped right in the middle of it, about 40 minutes in, you guys do a great job at the PCC. And I was just like blown away that you would take the time out to recognize what we do here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Alan, from all of us, it is sincerely appreciated. I mean, we get stuff all the time from people out there telling us what our show's like. They appreciate everything that we do. I get notes every now and then from the radio station managers from around the world that love our shows and keep getting our shows. And anytime someone goes out of the way to go ahead and tell us that, it is sincerely appreciated. Yeah, it's it's really funny how much you forget that it's much easier for people to tell you something they don't like about a show that you do versus, you know, actually receiving a genuine compliment about something that you're doing. So, yeah, that's huge. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just so cool that we got it on a show that I do on my other time the week. So yeah, that's just greatly appreciated. That blew me away. That's those kind of things in life just really just make your day when you hear that and you read that. So truly appreciate Alan, all the love out there. But for today's show, we're going to be showing the love or are we going to be showing the hate on the first episode this week of She-Hulk that's now on Disney Plus right there for you. I'll be talking to Jeff Sloboda from the MCU's Bleeding Edge coming up here at the back end of the show. Plus also as well, Melinda and I are going to be covering the possibility of the end 
of Westworld. We'll go ahead and talk about that. Plus also as well, our thoughts on the Wednesday trailer for the upcoming series from Tim Burton coming up on Netflix. Also as well, Rumbleverse. It's a brand new game that's out past couple weeks. It's been out there and it's really looking like it could be a contender for the Fortnite crown. Why? We'll tell you why coming up on the show as well. But first, my friend, I know you every now and then kind of dabble in tabletop <laughs> RPGs, and I think you've heard of this game. It's kind of like, it sounds like uh, Blungeons and Blaggins. Uh, oh, yeah, it's <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that little that game? One, that yeah, that little game indeed. 50 years yeah. old, 50 years strong. The reason why I'm talking about is they recently announced this week, along with the release of a long-awaited module, Spelljammer, and that experience which can take your crew and your whole group and party into space, mm -hmm. which we here at the Pop Culture Cosmos can't wait to experience. I can't wait to experience. I even helped, and I know you and I know other people helped, Roger, go ahead and acquire the Spelljammer experience. So definitely looking forward to that because it dropped this week and is available right now on Amazon, I think at a 40% discount, if I'm not mistaken. But I will say the one thing that they did on top of that is later this week announced an experience. They're working on it now. It's still in the beta stages, but it is one D&D &D in regards to not only it just reshaping the 5E experience, 5th edition experience, building upon the success of that because it's been immensely successful. I know that we talked about before a possible 6th edition coming down the line, but Fifth edition has been so successful for them. They're talking about now that, that you're just going to go ahead, build upon it, taking their newly acquired D&D Beyond that they purchased and incorporating that and, and actually creating an online experience from it as well. Hear that, Roll20? And going ahead from there. So your thoughts on this, you are much more experienced than I am in the world of tabletop RPGs. People have seen my bumps in the road and highs and lows <laughs> and learning experiences when it comes to tabletop RPGs in the two years since I picked it back up again after 30 years of not playing it. So I want to hear your thoughts on this. This is the grand design for Wizards of the Coast to go ahead and bring you a one D&D experience, not only on your tabletop, not only through your internet, through your customization and your character creation with the fact that they now own D&D Beyond, but creating a software platform for you to go ahead and build your adventures as well. Yeah, and I may have misunderstood the trailer that I watched because it was quite early this morning when I watched it, but I believe that it's going to be a add-on to D&D &D Beyond. I don't think it's two separate things. I, I think well, they, they the announced it, they tiered it as three separate things. Okay, maybe it is then. Maybe I didn't misunderstand how what they were talking about, but either way, about time for them to catch up to that. D&D Beyond, I'm sure they're going to incorporate closely with that experience where you can build your playsets. They'll have a playset that's built for you and a, uh, I guess a template to start off with, but how you create it from there online is totally up to you. But they still want to make sure that you're playing on the tabletop RPG experience because they're going to support it with the capabilities of including on your mobile phone and tablet, of course, getting into the modern age is concerned. So yes, I mean, they're just trying to incorporate it and modernize it. And I think that's a extremely, extremely smart plan from Wizards of the Coast. Yeah, it's almost like they wish the last two years they could have a do-over for once they Absolutely. get their virtual tabletop launched. Because Excellent my point. goodness... Because I think that all a lot of people are itching to get back to, you know, the table, the physical table with their friends. But one thing that they did talk about, and I know a lot of people have grumbled about it a lot in the past, is now you're not going to have to go and buy a physical book and a digital copy. They're going to have bundles. So you're going to be able to get the book and the digital copy together, which I think is very, very smart. Thank you for yes. doing that. Because... I was not super happy when like three new books would come out and I'd have to go buy physical copies. And then in order for my players to be able to utilize them properly, I would have to buy them on D&D Beyond as well. So this is an opportunity for that to hopefully help the pocketbook a little bit. But um, you, know, you and I both know that in regards to the actual physical 
playing in front of a, a group of friends, that experience, they still want to go ahead and make sure that's every bit a part of what one D&D is all about. The fact that, you know, the building of the miniatures, the creation of the miniatures, that that section alone, as far as that part of the D&D lifestyle is so much of a, ingrained now as far as D&D with so many individuals, they're not walking away from that. They're just trying to modernize it, but still incorporate what's great about Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, absolutely. And they're getting revisions of the core books. So the skeleton, I guess, is the way that you could look at it, is still going to be 5E. They're just taking some of the rules, they're expanding them, they're making them a little more versatile so you can really take the game and adapt it to exactly what your table needs, exactly what your players want, that kind of thing. So we're going to get a new monster manual, new players book, and a new uh, dungeon master's guide. That's in 2024, I believe. But in the meantime, my gosh, they are releasing a whole bunch of stuff. Can we uh, make sure that Roger for our Monday game gets a dungeon master book with just one page on it with one line? Let the players win. <laughs> yes, I think we've won D&D a couple of times with Roger. I don't know. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. He tried hard on Monday from what I was watching. I said, you guys I... need to help. But you know, yeah, it's all right? those golems that you were trying to go ahead and fight out there. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, there's, so there's going to be more races coming, more classes. Well, I know we talked about, like I said previously, that this would, you know, sixth edition would be on its way. I think that this is what they're going to be calling it and rephrasing it as one D&D going forward. Yes, that is it. So there's not going to be any more editions of Dungeons and Dragons. There's no more. Nobody's going to be arguing if 3.5 is better than 5E. You're not going to hear those arguments anymore. It's simply going to be one D&D and they're just going to release and update as they need to. So it's going to make it a little more fluid that way, which I think is interesting. I'm also very interested in how flexible they're going to be making some of these new rules. Perhaps the books will lend themselves a little bit more to uh, the rule of cool versus, you know, the age-old argument of rules as written versus rules as intended versus rule of cool. There's a whole bunch of stuff that you can get into and really go down a rabbit hole. But no, I'm excited. I'm feeling optimistic about it. I perhaps haven't spent enough time with it to develop any skepticisms about the new information yet, but so far I'm seeing nothing but stuff that I like. So I'm, I'm excited. And if there is anything that bothers you, I guess I will know where you're going to go ahead and vent at here first. And then you're going to go protest in, in front of the offices of either Wizards of the Coast or Hasbro, either or, or both. Yeah, but both probably. I okay. mean, I have that kind of time on my hands. We both know. <laughs> well, you know what this reminds me of? And I think that they're modeling after, because again, they originally said it was going to be a sixth edition months ago, yeah. that it was going to be coming in 2024. And now they're changing it to this expansion of the fifth edition and calling it one D and D. This reminds me so much of a game that goes to live service or games as a service as just, it's going to be a game where it's, you're not going to get a sequel or you're not going to go get a trilogy. You're just going to get one game and they're going to continue to build on this experience for 5, 10, 15 years going forward. I think the folks at Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro saw this concept and thought that was much better than just going, okay, every five years, we're just going to go from one to two to three to four to five to six. They finally realized, you know what, they think that 5th edition has worked well. They kind of tweak things that they need to go ahead and work on. Like, for instance, making a little bit more, uh, I guess, inclusionary for newer audiences, for yeah. newer DMs, which is something that they mentioned in the trailer that opened up this one D&D conversation. That they mentioned they want to make it more inviting for people to go ahead and be a part of it. I think for players, it's still pretty easy to get into. You just go go in and say, okay, what am I going to go ahead and kill now? Whereas for a DM, it's still a lot of stuff that you have to get used to. And I think they want to go ahead and maybe, like you talked about earlier, streamline that to make it an easier experience to go ahead and tell those stories. You can always find players. DMs are not always that easy to find. Yeah, you know, I have been both at this point. I've been a DM, I've been a player. I, I became a DM out of necessity because our DM decided he didn't want to run anything for a little while. He was burnt out. And it sounds 
silly to people who haven't sat in the DM chair? How do, how do you get tired of just, you know, you're planning a, a night with your friends? There's a little bit more to it than that. That's why yes. when I'm a player in a game, the DM does not need to bring snacks. We supply snacks for said DM. Drinks are on the table, not on the DM. Stuff like that. Because the DM does work so hard to make sure that the game they're putting together is a good one. It's going to be a good experience. And most of the time, a DM hears a lot about, well, I didn't like the way that you did this. I didn't really appreciate that too much. Or the rule lawyers have to get involved in something. And it can make DMing a frustrating experience. So the fact that there kind of looks like they're trying to take some of that off of a new DM who's sitting in the chair for the very first time, I think it is a wonderful thing. And Chris Perkins is going to be the guy who's actually kind of revising and restructuring the DM guide, the book that you get. So I'm optimistic about that because I've really enjoyed things that he's been part of so far, all of the modules and, and stuff like that. So I believe that they're going to do this with the new DM in mind. I believe that even people who have been DMing for 20 years will be able to pick up this book and it's going to remind you of something that maybe you've forgotten, you haven't done in a long time. So yeah, like I said, I've, I'm really not, I'm not seeing any red flags about anything here for me. I'm just seeing all good stuff and all good potential. So, Well, at least the talk, especially in the trailer that they showcased, this one D&D concept was very inviting. It was very encouraging and very positive on what is going forward. You mentioned, again, finding DMs it always seems to be the issue. Dungeon Masters, per se, for those that are not familiar with it people who can create the experience for the players, they're not always the easiest to come by. I remember the fact that our one of our most famous games here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, Demolition Force on Mondays, that was created out of necessity because our DM at the time dropped out and Roger, by out of necessity, had to take over, which is something he hadn't done for decades prior as far as creating that game. And he's done a great job since. We're almost reaching our 100th adventure, 100th part, 100th edition of this adventure that we've been on so far so it's been a great time indeed and so yes to create that going forward to help necessitate the experience to be even better i'm looking forward to seeing how they're going to include all these different aspects ones that they've created and ones that they purchased in dnd beyond to create this one dnd concept absolutely and something that i know is very near and dear to all of us who have had a part in Demolition Force is the Lost Minds of Fandelver. Mm -hmm. And what's really cool is they have started to talk about their 2023 releases and Fandelver is getting its very own full-on campaign. So Lost Mind is really geared towards like a beginner player. And yeah, this is going to be a full like five chapter start to finish campaign, which is really well, For exciting. us, it took what, 30, almost 30 weeks? <laughs> I never said it was a one shot. I yes. just said this is going to be a fully fleshed out campaign. So I'm optimistic about that. Absolutely, indeed. And the announcement of the one D&D total concept, bringing together all the great aspects of the tabletop experience and the online experience and the customer creation experience all into one big happy family is what they're working on. In fact, there's beta testing going on right now for the one D and D for the online concepts. So if you want to go ahead and be a part of it, go ahead and check it out on the D and D made site today. And you'll be glad you did, especially finding out more about this one D and D concept, which is coming very soon. The not too distant future sixth edition is out, but one D and D looks like it's here to stay. What are your thoughts out there on one D and D and the reimagining? of what we could be playing down the road for Dungeons and Dragons. Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. Okay, wait. Wait, I... I can go invisible, right? Because this is this is the absolute worst. You can so, certainly try. Okay, so that is... Um, uh, that's uh, ob obnation. <laughs> it's obfuscation. Roll your dice. Okay. 
So I didn't get anything over a five, but you that can. You are still naked. Oh God! The music stops, and everyone is looking directly at you, oh. judging. Oh God! This is. The prince of the city looks very disappointed in you. Okay, this is worse than the dreams that I have about being naked at work. There has to be something that I can do. Vampires in Vitae, a Vampire the Masquerade actual play podcast, season two, to Pop Culture Cosmos. Before we hit the break, Melinda, wanted to ask you real quick, speaking of gaming, one of the latest free-to-play ventures, I know we talked about WB's Multiverses, which has uh, gotten a lot of people really excited about this Super Smash Brothers experience featuring all these different Warner Brothers characters. But one of the other games to come out that's gotten really, really good reviews is a very much a Fortnite feeling and looking game called Rumbleverse, but with a catch, because this has to have a niche in that you do not have weapons per se, as far as guns or anything like that. You do have weapons, but you might be like a chair or it might be something you can throw at somebody. But the main thing that you want to go ahead and utilize is your fists and your kicks and your moves, because it's more like if it went to a crazy professional wrestling world, and you created it from that. So this creates also, again, like Fortnite, similar. They drop you into the city. You go ahead and you battle out. You duke it out with all your friends to become the last individual standing. The walls close in on you as far as trying to go ahead and make the arena smaller and smaller and smaller as time runs out. That part is very familiar. That part is very Fortnite-ish. But the crazy combos you can create and the crazy moves you can go ahead and do has made this very attractive and also made this battle royale genre, which was looking kind of tired and which was looking kind of repetitive, it gives it a breath of life that it sorely needed. Yeah, absolutely. This is definitely a game that I'm putting on my list of games to play with my eight-year-old nephew. (laughs) We have gone toe-to-toe a couple of times in Fortnite, and he was also very excited we won two matches back to back and he was pumped about it. So yeah, I'm not saying that we're great at it, but from time to time, me and the little guy get together and, and get Melinda is the next game. ninja. Watch out. Yeah, right. Can you imagine? Not in a thousand years. But yeah, no, this looks adorable. And I'm definitely going to scoop it up and I've got to get a hold of my nephew, get a hold of my sister, make sure it's cool that we uh, get this game downloaded for him and start playing. Finally, we'll be on even ground instead of him. I've played this game for four years now, Auntie Min. (laughs) I've played for five minutes. This is going to be fun. Yeah, I think it looks like it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's something, again, you don't have to spend money to try. It's free to play. Yeah. Obviously, it has the cosmetic upgrades. If you want to go ahead and get into that, it's it's there for you. But the free-to-play concept, at least that part of it, is a lot of fun to go ahead and check out. I've had a chance to go ahead and check out a lot of the videos and I'm really impressed with what's what they're doing. Does it really bring a whole lot to this genre that's new? No, it doesn't. A lot of the similar concepts you will see in Fortnite and many of these other battle royales are there. But the fact that it has this different kind of slant, and we've seen these different kind of slants before with all these other battle royales are trying to bring something new, ones that provide magic, ones that provide different kind of weapons, one that provides machinery, ones that provide moving weapons, flying weapons, vehicle weapons. This is something a little bit different from that as far as making it more cartoonish, more approachable, and also a lot of fun as well. So I'm looking forward to it. And again, it's free to play. So, hey, why not give it a try? Yeah, exactly. That's that's what I think too. Why not give it a try? Find a nephew or a niece. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And say, let me show you something. (laughs) And then you'll never have a moment of peace while you play video games again. This is true. But hey, you didn't spend money because it's free to play. Absolutely. What are your thoughts out there on Rumbleverse? Have you checked out the brand new free to play battle royale game that's out there? Please let us know your thoughts. If you are ready to rumble with Rumbleverse, please let us know your thoughts popculturecosmos at yahoo.com we're back on a serious note before we hit the break and that is ezra miller something you and i have talked about extensively over the past few weeks and the ongoing issues there the continuing 
I don't know, for lack of a better term, crime spree that he's been on over the course of the past year because of all the unfortunate incidents that have actually followed him. And actually he's been a part of from one side of the globe to the other, literally one side of the globe to the other. And it's now headed up to the point with all the things that are out there, the rumors, the innuendo, the news reports saying, well, WB now has to make a serious decision on how it's moving forward with Flashpoint moving forward. We're not sure which way they're going to go because of the restructuring of WB and Discovery and all that and the layoffs that they did and all the major changes that they made and the fact that they canceled Batgirl just before it was ready to be aired and the fact that they're removing all these lower populated, lower viewing movies and television series that they're taking them off HBO Max and all these financial decisions that they're making among everything that they had to deal with. They had to deal with this Ezra Miller situation, which hasn't gotten any better. But this week, Ezra Miller, after a robbery arrest in Vermont, which we reported on last week, has indicated that they are going into a mental health recovery they're going into seek mental health treatment of some detail, which is what you and I have been asking for for quite some time. Yeah, it really did seem like somebody who was a little bit out of control. It just seemed like somebody who was very much in trouble. And I don't mean like legal trouble. I mean, like mental health. It, it seemed like there's something going on there. So I'm glad that they have come to a point where they are seeking treatment, where they are seeking help. That's always a positive first step. And, you know, now that that first step is being taken, I hope that recovery is beneficial. And I hope that it's something that will allow them to move on and move forward from this one. Well, they did indicate in a prepared statement that they are seeking treatment for complex mental health issues. Yeah. They did apologize for their past behavior. And both you and I, I can clearly say that we want the best for them. Of course. I.e. Ezra Miller. We want the best for them in their treatment, in their recovery. But still, there's a Flashpoint movie that's still on the docket, even with all the other financial issues and financial problems that WB and Discovery have had. They are still have Flashpoint coming next year. Your thoughts on this, because it comes back to what I say again, should they keep them on the roster at the forefront of this? Do you think it's wiser with a movie that they've already spent a whole ton of money on reported to be anywhere from two to $300 million? They've already spent on it. I would still say you, you reshoot the scenes because you can't have them going out and do press for this movie anyways, which already puts it against the eight ball, if that's the case. That's what's been talked about out there. Because if you have them do press as far as the normal press for a movie and whatnot, all that's going to be talked about is the controversy and controversy and controversy and all the past things that they have done. So it's put WB between the rock and a hard place. I just think you got to go ahead and make the move still. I'm still, even with the apology and the treatment, I still think that they need to go ahead and talking about WB and make a change and reshoot those scenes with a Grant Gustin or someone else that can be able to front a major motion picture such as this. Another option, hang no, with me for a second because this is a little outside of the box. Take the movie, push the movie back and give Ezra time release Batgirl in that original slot. You, then you've bought yourself a little bit of time to go ahead and get the star of your movie and back to a good place, back to healthy. And you can do any reshoots or anything like that with that actor that you need to do. Then everybody wins. The only thing though is Batgirl was a movie that was meant straight for HBO Max. That's okay. Which it may not be at the level of a major motion picture. I haven't seen it. We haven't seen it. No one's seen it outside the execs. So they were convinced that it's not ready for prime time, which is the part of the reason why they shut it down. I mean, part of the reason as well is because they can get a $90 million write-off on the taxes. Yeah. So if you release it, you're going to have to pay the taxes on it, plus whatever costs you have to go ahead for distribution, the whole nine yards. I think that's a great idea. I think that the, the press from the cancellation from Batgirl has led to 
the fact that you might want to go ahead and release it just to put out some goodwill. But I, I'm not sure that they will end up doing it. But I think they do need to make a change or, like you said, make a move on the Flashpoint movie to maybe push it back even more which I know would make a lot of people out there mad. But right now, WB is in a very bad state of disarray. One month ago, things were looking a lot better heading into Comic-Con, and they had a chance to really steal Comic-Con and go in the right direction. But with everything all out of whack, I think that they do need to go ahead and get themselves together, and maybe pushing back Flash is probably the best idea. Yeah, I, I think that that is very necessary. But we want to hear your thoughts on what's going on with this continuing Ezra Miller issue, PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, coming up next, it is Jeff Sloboda from the MCU's Bleeding Edge talking about episode one of She-Hulk. And when we return on the back end, Melinda and I are going to be talking about what she's been up to with Vampires and Vitae, Wizards and Wine. Wednesday, no, not the day, the actual series coming up on Netflix and possibly the end of Westworld as well. This is the PCC Multiverse. And if you're ready to talk toys, I haven't stopped talking toys. Let's get to it. It's the Jay and Rob Toy Show, and we're back for season two for 10 more episodes of Toy Talking Goodness. And this time, we talk Marvel figures, we talk DC figures, Holy Grails, playsets, what if scenarios, and so much more. But we're not alone. We've brought a few friends with us this time. All that and, of course, our action figure spotlight. So check out the Jay and Rob Toy Show Season 2, exclusively on Jinx Esports TV Canada. This Gerald Glassford come right back at you here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Thank you so much for watching and listening. It is She-Hulk. She-Hulk is now a part of the MCU as Episode 1 dropped this week on Disney+. Plus. A lot of people were very excited to come in see this program because it leads into a lot of great things as far as the hulk universe and so much more so i have thoughts on episode one but in order to go ahead and get a full spectrum you got to go ahead and check out what he's doing today at the mcu's bleeding edge it is jeff sloboda welcome back jeff great to have you here looking forward to hearing your thoughts on she hulk episode one Basically, it just starts out within the first few minutes with an explanation on how Jennifer Walters became She-Hulk. Very well done origin story to flush it all out so quickly and whatnot the way that they did. Well, they did I'm, I'm going to say I, that's one of the detractions that I have. Overall, okay. it was a good episode. I really think they rushed into it. I wish they wouldn't have. I wish they would have like eased into it. But I understand since she speaks a lot from the fourth wall type perspective. I understand that that's how they wanted to go ahead and introduce her character. I wish that they would have been able to flesh this episode out a lot more, or maybe over the course of two episodes with her training with Bruce Banner, the origin story of the MCU for She-Hulk. She is traveling with her cousin on a beginnings of a vacation, her cousin being Bruce Banner, and unfortunately a Sakaar ship from Thor Ragnarok almost running into the spaceship and they have an accident because of it. And during the course of the accident, the aftermath, she unfortunately mixes blood with Bruce Banner. And that's how she becomes She-Hulk and also how Hulk himself heals his arm. Again, I thought it was a little bit rushed, but I understand that they're working on what eight 30 minute episodes, essentially that's a little over 30 minutes each episode. So they have to go ahead and bring into it. But Sound like you really liked the way they went ahead and introduced this character. I think, honestly, Gerald, that there's a reason that they did things the way they did. I don't think they, they, that they rushed anything. I think that they had a plan. I think they wanted her as She-Hulk as soon as possible because they, they think that, that her as She-Hulk, as the character herself, Jennifer Walters as She-Hulk, is the show. Like is, like, is that good of a character? And that I think that they believe that Titania Maslany is that good of an actress and she's that well, good. Well, Tatiana is, is sensational in the role. I'm not going to say, say otherwise. It's just the fact that I would have loved as far as a little bit more background into her character, what she was doing before sure. the the start of She-Hulk. It really doesn't lead you into that, at least like five minutes of what she's doing in the present day in regards to this. She's already actually had the accident with Bruce Banner. I just think it would have been better suited to see a more of a, a introduction to her character, her lifestyle that she loves and appreciates so much that she cannot ever have back in full because of now the fact that she's She-Hulk. 
Well, that's the thing about with the invent of Disney Plus, Gerald, is that now Marvel has, actually has to not only worry about being strategic and connecting all of the movies together, now they have to anticipate and take into consideration that when they drop these Disney Plus series, when they do, when you have a Moon Knight that just came out or whatever, where they dealt with a lot of psychological, you know, type issues and whatnot and everything, and a lot of like, you know, multi-personality type stuff and, and flashbacks and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. I feel like you have to understand at that point that you've got a flow going on there with your series where you don't want things to get too boring or too, or too the same, right? You've got to kind of change things up. So at that point, I feel like the pace of this series is going to be quick, like you said, very compact. It was very quick. It, it, so yeah. Episodes. Yeah, that's going to be, I think it's going to be interesting. We haven't, we've never had that before with any of the series, right? That's well, they, they have, they have in some other, some other series sped it up. And I, I no, I'm not asking for a hundred issues like what you have in the comic book before they go ahead and flesh things out because you have all the time in the world when you're talking about creating the comic books, but at least maybe another episode. I would have loved another episode to flesh this out over two episodes as far as her life before her actually getting to the accident with the ship from Sakaar, which everybody knows, like you said, from Thor Ragnarok. And then you have her training with Bruce Banner because the best part of this episode is the banter back yes. and forth that she has with Mark Ruffalo's Bruce Banner. I mean, that's the reason why this episode is good. That's yes. why I enjoy it. It's because of the fact that they have a chemistry instantly that you can tell that it works right away. Now, do you think that maybe that's one of the reasons why they also did things the way they did so quickly Probably. like that? Because they wanted to just free up the episode so they could have that one hour. Or maybe Ruffalo's, Ruffalo's contracted to only do so much as far as what he can give to the series. I'm not sure. I, I just don't know why the, the, that they did what they did. Again, they just, like you said, very fast-paced. Bam, they put you right in the reason why she's She-Hulk and went from the training montage from there as far as for the rest of the episode. Again, it, it was a good episode overall. I just think, again, fleshing out the character, you got to cater to the larger audience. Can I just cater to the comic book audience? And I understand the points where you have to go ahead and make sure that the comic book audience gets enough of, of the reasons why that they supported Marvel Comics over the years. I get that, but... The majority of the audience has not read these comic books. And they, in, in doing so, they need to be educated more on what She-Hulk is all about. So I just would have loved a little bit longer introduction to her character and her life before, which, again, she emphasizes how much she misses and loves so much after she gets the ability to become She-Hulk. Now, see, Gerald, I think that you make a really good point there. I have two things I want to say here. One, to what you just said, the general audience. Right. That, we don't talk about that very much in the Bleeding Edge. The fact that, that Disney Plus is trying to lure in new watch, you know. But that's what we new... talk about on the Cosmos, because in the general. Cosmos, again, we when our audience itself yeah. is, is, not, is out to a broader audience, because we go over to dozens and dozens of radio stations worldwide, we, right. we are speaking to not just a, an audience of people who are familiar with this character, but a general audience who may be interested in this character this these trailers have been very amusing entertaining they're very enticing for people to go ahead and get into and this is a much lighter fare than what maybe uh, you know as far as moon knight because moon knight was much heavier and darker and had different themes going on so maybe it didn't get everybody's interest miss marvel was light but it had some different things going on as far as maybe catering to a younger audience that maybe not all audiences could get into this is really the first series in a while that I think caters to a the largest general base of audience. I, since Hawkeye caters to the largest general scheme of audience that it's trying to endear itself to. And I understand you have to make sure you take care of your comic book audience, but the general audience is the, is the audience that's going to support your MCU for the most part for the rest of the way that you want to go through phase six. So I'm hoping that they go ahead and provide a little bit more Because at the very end, the other major issue I have, and I'll let you elaborate from here, the other major issue I have is the ending. She has a battle seemingly out of nowhere in the courtroom, as far as a physical battle, where the first time she has to go ahead and appear in public as She-Hulk, Titania, who is going to be one of the major villainesses of the actual series, it gives no advanced explanation on Titania and why she did what she did, and basically just crashes through the courtroom and then they can square off from there. If it just focused on developing her character, her working with Bruce Banner, maybe over the course of two episodes, I think that probably would have bit better out. But again, like you said, the frantic pace 
is going to work for and also work against this show in She-Hulk. I think it is important to take into consideration that, you know, Disney Plus is a streaming service and they do want to attract more, you know, more of an audience and bring in, you know, people. You've got 152 million subscribers to Disney Plus. That's right. And you're right. I think that She-Hulk is definitely the kind of character and the kind of vehicle that's perfect, like for the general audience to to bring in anything newer, like, you know, fans to the MCU and expand the, like, you know, things to the MCU, the, the fandom, you know what I mean? And reach out to more people. And not just because it is a female-centric character, because we have lots of strong, you know, impactful female characters already in the MCU. We have them. We've seen them in recent films, right? You know what I'm saying? In general, I think that, like you said, the Bruce Banner, She-Hulk that, dynamic. That dynamic was great. Absolutely great. They played off very well the vibe that they are a family. They are cousins. They know each other. You know what I'm saying? CG, I know a lot of people are talking about different quirks on it. I thought it was okay. You know, I thought that for what it was, it was fine. I can deal with it because her performance is so good that it makes me forget about any flaws in the CGI. Yeah, I thought she looked great. Visually, everything looked great. The Miss Marvel Disney Plus series was was sparklingly well done visually. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to pretend like I'm an oracle here, but I'm going to put it out there again and double down. The Shield Disney Plus series will end up being the best Disney Plus series we'll get this year without question, I think. Overall, again, in the middle is a great interaction between Mark Ruffalo and Tatiana Maslany that I think is really something that people should not miss. And it's good to see them bringing in the, some of the original six Avengers and some of these Disney Plus series the way they have. Even just having Ruffalo in this episode, if that's all we get, was still great. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, great. you take what you can get with these, with these people, this, these actors and these characters right at this point, you know? Yeah. You, can't really, you can't really ask for too much. Yeah, Ruffalo and Tatiana Maslany did a terrific job together. And even if for now this is their only interaction or maybe we'll see something on one of the tail end episodes, still it was well worth the wait. Any last thoughts on episode one? Yeah. Again, I just want to make sure that you're I would just say that I get the things that you pointed out that you didn't like. They're very logical. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I can see why you would do things that way. I disagree, and that's part of being a part of the fandom, right? Like, I know that you cover the pulp culture scene, and the, you know, entertainment scene and whatnot, more than we focus on Marvel and the MCU, and that's kind of our deal. But at the same time, I think that you and I connect on a level where you're, we're both fans, and one of the greatest aspects of being in the, the MCU Marvel fandom or Marvel comics or whatever is that this kind of stuff transcends politics and ideology. and Like, we don't need to worry about that. And, you know, these days, Gerald, honestly, to have anything like that out there, that allows us to do that, I think is a great thing. Uh, it is a great thing indeed. Again, I just wish they wouldn't have rushed into it so quickly, allowed oh, yeah. it to flesh itself out. But then again, th- again, these episodes are only a little over 30 minutes each. So I guess for that sense, you have to go ahead and rush through things uh, you know, so that you can go ahead and be able to get across what you want to get across, which is establishing She-Hulk as a character that you want to make a great part of the MCU going forward and Tatiana Maslany I think is going to be a great part of that because I think she's a tremendous actress seeing her in She-Hulk I think that really tells me right now that that she has got a great future in the MCU again with the thing with Titania they give no explanation to a general audience why she's there and why she's bursting through the courtroom and tearing up the courtroom and then ultimately getting in a battle and being defeated by She-Hulk I'm assuming over the course of the next few episodes, you will understand why that is. But still, again, outside of those similar, you know, those small flaws, I think overall it's a good episode and a decent start for this MCU series. How about She-Hulk and how about Titania Maslany in the Avengers eventually? Which, which oh, is it's, it's a no-doubter. It's a no-doubter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. there you go. Secret Wars, the whole nine yards. Yeah, I mean, that's what this phase... Phase four is a phase where it's provided to a general audience a lot of confusion, some mixed results, some ups, some downs overall this phase has. But I understand what this phase four is doing is that it's providing a lot of introductions for fans going forward to understand what is going on for the Avengers in phase five and phase six, especially with Secret Wars and the Kang Dynasty movies that are coming out in phase six to understand why they're there and understand that those individuals for the most part will be the key to the future of the Avengers and the MCU over the next few years. See, and that's why they didn't want WandaVision to come right out of the gate and do and be the first Disney Plus series. They wanted Falcon and the Winter Soldier. 
to yeah. go first, right? Because they, they felt like those characters and those actors could translate to a general audience better and more effectively. Yeah. You know what I mean? Than WandaVision could. But hey, it ended up working out okay. I thought WandaVision was the best series we got last year. So, like I said, off to a decent start. She-Hulk is. Oh, you yeah. really like it. And I'm really happy for you that you enjoyed it tremendously. But once again, it's Jeff Sloboda from the MCU's Bleeding Edge. Please go ahead and check him out today. So where can they check out the MCU's Bleeding Edge? And what are you going to be touching on this weekend on the MCU's Bleeding Edge? We're doing our first She-Hulk episode one review. We'll be doing it every Friday evening at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. On the MCU's Bleeding Edge YouTube channel. We're on Twitch. We're on Twitter. We'll be doing She-Hulk episode reviews for the next eight weeks on Friday evenings. Our Wednesday main show with my co-host, Cybernetic Shark. Last night, we just did an actual Thor Ragnarok review. We're going to be doing some movie reviews as we work our way through to, like, you know, Infinity War and Endgame. And then probably do some different, some maybe some comic book-oriented stuff, you know, on the main Wednesday show here and there over the next couple weeks. Cover some news, you know, articles and news stories, rumors. We're still trying to, you know, work out everything that ha- that's happened with the Comic-Con and the Marvel Studios panel. But we have a Sunday show as well. And on that one, that's more of a wide-open kind of show where we kind of just let things, you know, go where they go. Yeah, you can find us on YouTube. We're the MCU's bleedingedge.org. That's our website. And we're on every social media platform there is. We're not hard to find. There's nobody else that sounds like us. There you go. All right. Once again, it's the MCU's Bleeding Edge. Check it out today, wherever you get your podcasts. Jeff, truly appreciate your thoughts on Episode 1 and wishing you tremendous success with the MCU's Bleeding Edge. And again, just truly appreciate you stopping by. The pop culture cosmos. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip, or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. And we're back with the show. It's the Pieces of Multiverse to close out the program. This is Gerald Glassford, along with my good friend, Mrs. Melinda Barkhouse-Ross. want to thank so much Jeff Sloboda from the MCU's Bleeding Edge, talking about episode one of She-Hulk. Hopefully everybody has gotten a chance to see it, and we'd love to hear your thoughts on episode one of She-Hulk. Please let us know, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com or popculturecosmos, wherever you get your social media. But speaking of popculturecosmos on social media, being the number one tabletop RPG streamer that we are on Facebook, we do a lot of things with Mitch on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. Then you have Melinda coming right back at you here on Sunday as well, Sunday afternoon with Vampires and Vitae. And of course, everything that she does on Monday night with the crew from Wizards and Wine, Wild Beyond the Witchlight. Plus, of course, Monday in the afternoon with Roger and Demolition Force, the number one tabletop RPG streamer on Facebook. And we've got tons of hours waiting for you right there of entertaining tabletop RPG action, as only we can do it right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. But before we head on out, Melinda, and before we head everyone out there on a great weekend, it looks like finally we are getting the release that was all up in confusion in regards to the movies with Dragon Ball Super Superhero is finally legitimately coming out to theaters after the mistake of misprinting by IGN and everything that went on there that we talked about on the Monday show. I know that Josh mentioned uh, in regards to that. Please check out the story that he drops on the Monday show. It's really funny in regards to Dragon Ball Super Superhero. And I know he'll have thoughts on it when we come to the next show on Monday. But before we head on out, what we didn't have a chance to get to this past weekend was possibly the end of Westworld. They did an Orville, which they, at the end of their season, I think it's season four, they had a episode which closed a lot of loose ends. And even though they didn't say it's the last episode, well, a lot of fans out there are thinking it might be the last episode of it. What are your thoughts about Westworld as it ends at season four and possibly its series for good? Please, I don't need the emails, please. But it might be time to end Westworld. I agree. You know, I just... You can send me the emails. I'll just forward them to Melinda. Yeah. 
<laughs> Good to know I'm you kidding. got my back, buddy. Good to know. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but no, I, I just don't know how much further they can take the story. I don't know where they could possibly go from here. Yeah, exactly. I agree. This was a series, though, that was set up in the aftermath or the closing out of the Game of Thrones series as it was right. winding down. This series was supposed to supplant it as the HBO at that time, before HBO Max came out, as the series to watch. And initially it was. Everybody yeah, was glued into watching it. But as it got weirder, as it got stranger, especially that last episode of season one that really was kind of like out there. I think a lot of people got lost on that and they lost a lot of viewers heading into season two and beyond as they started to evolve and leave the park and evolve beyond that in the world outside. And yeah, it seemed to go in places I think that not everybody wanted to go to. And I think it just lost its amount of viewers. I don't know exactly how popular it still is on HBO and HBO Max, but I would not be surprised if this is the end of the series. In fact, when you create an episode, that kind of alludes to that, like with the Orville, where they did the same thing. I'm not going to go into detail about it, but they did make an episode that kind of closes out a lot of the stuff that they've done over the past three seasons with the expectation that they're probably not going to get a season four. And the same thing with Westworld, that they may not get a season five. They really went ahead and gave the kind of message that this series probably will not be going forward. It's a very expensive series, at least early on. So with the HBO Max Discovery deal costing so much money and them making so many cutbacks, I see it as a hard choice for HBO Max to go ahead and continue this, especially the fact that it's not the must-see series four seasons in that they were hoping that it would be. I struggle with Westworld because I'm not really sure. Maybe it was the season finale of the first season, like you mentioned, I just don't know where That's the where story... it lost me. I'm going to be honest with you. I tried to get back yeah. into it season two. I just couldn't. Yeah. I watched a lot of season three. I still had a fun time watching it. I love watching, and this is going to be a very strange statement. So bear with me for a second while I try to explain myself. Oh, I'm sure it. I'll get the emails. <laughs> but there's something about watching beautiful people doing terrible things. And this show runs the gamut of beautiful people doing terrible things. I think that what it comes down to is, is it still a profitable venture for them to go ahead and continue to make episodes and utilizing the eye test? I don't think that this is going to be a series that HBO is going to continue, but you never know. You know, I'm not putting it out of the realm of possibility one way or the other. Yeah. But like I said, it's, I think it does feel like it's time for that series. I think to, the producers thought they weren't going to get much more time on it. So they closed everything out or they closed many things out. Let's put it yeah. And, and where they closed and answered those questions, but have left the door kind of open for some newer stuff. It kind of leaves it open for a revisit to the Westworld world, you know, a yeah. couple of years from now. I, Maybe I, you make know, a special movie or something like that. Yeah, exactly. And make a, a movie that would nicely wrap up all of the things. Time will tell. But I do think it's time for Westworld to wrap it up. What are your thoughts out there on Westworld? Are you finished with the Westworld saga? Or do you want to see more seasons on the way? Do you think HBO will go ahead and give the green light to it? Or do you see an end of this vaunted series, which was so highly profiled and so well thought of by HBO, which is really not materialized as far as being that must-see show that HBO had envisioned? Please let us know your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, it's been a great episode, Melinda, but one last thing. Do, 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 Wednesday from the mind of Tim Burton. And well, I guess for those that are familiar with it or not so familiar, coming from the Adams Family series, Wednesday, the young lady who is now put at the forefront of her own series along with a great supporting cast of the Adams Family surrounding her, is coming to Netflix near Halloween, actually, October 26th. They brought out their first trailer after giving people glimpses on social media of what the look will be like, although it doesn't differ very much from the actual original television show. But 
this goes as far as a new adventure, as far as for Wednesday, trying to acclimate herself from a regular school, which doesn't go very well, to a school for special children, such as her and her adventures in this, almost like a Harry Potter for the macabre and the strange and the weird. Your thoughts on Wednesday when you checked out this trailer? Yeah, I want to go to that school. Do, 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 do. <laughs> but really, what's not to love about the Adams family? A, a, a television show and a family that was created to be the exact opposite of what you expect a traditional American family to be yes. and behave and look and dress and, and all of those things. So I'm, I always have a lot of time for the Adams family to me. They've always been a bit of a parody. And I have adored them for as long as I can remember. I love the relationship between Gomez and, uh-oh. That's Morticia. Yes, Morticia. Well, thank you. And excuse me, I will do three Hell Morticias after the show, I promise. Yes, I um, so. but, but, you know, I, I love their relationship. It's kooky and bizarre and weird and dark kooky as they is are. The word. Yeah, it's really kooky about... A family that loves each other and accepts each other for exactly the way that they are. They don't expect you to change a single thing about yourself. And above all, that's the message that I've always taken out of the Adams family. So, you know, I will always have a soft spot for the movies, for sure. And the show. Well, the, well, the series has got Catherine Zeta-Jones, mm -hmm. Luis Guzman. Who's so great. Christina Ricci. Yes. who is going to be involved with it, maybe doing voiceovers because the, the character is a younger lady. It's Wednesday as a, as a young lady, as a teenager per se, as far as the main character. But Christina Ricci is involved with this. So I'm assuming she'll be doing voiceovers or something relating to this of some kind because her, she doesn't actually have a character listed on IMDb. So I'm assuming it's voiceovers or somehow integrated as far as being a part of this. So it's great that she is because she was the original Wednesday in the Addams Family movies. So I'm looking forward to seeing what the mind of Tim Burton will create because it's been a long time since we've seen something from the mind of Tim Burton and Tim Burton, as far as his films are definitely out there, but we want to hear your thoughts on Wednesday. And if you're excited to see this new upcoming series, which actually goes ahead and it's part of the old Adams family series. Are you excited for a Wednesday series coming to Netflix? Please let us know your thoughts. Do, 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 at popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. My friend, it's a great episode. Any last thoughts before we head on out? Yes. If you are kind of on the fence about one D&D, please give it a shot before you just write it off. Give it, give it some time, give it some space, give it some time to exist in your mind, watch and read as much stuff as you can about it and give it a chance before you just say, no, that one's not for me. Well, it's, it's just in beta stages for the most part, as far as the online experience is concerned. So we don't even know what the final package, the final edition or the final uh, first presentation of this will ultimately look like because it's still on the way. Yeah, exactly. But you know, you know how people can be. First and impressions. Exactly. First impressions are everything. And you know, I haven't seen any negative stuff yet. But like I said, I looked at it early this morning and just double checked a couple of things before we jumped on here tonight. And I don't want people who are or who have been playing D&D &D for years and years and years to write this off before they get an opportunity to get a book in their hands and sit down with a table full of players and run at least a one shot through it before you really make up your mind to say, no, this one's not for me. Well, to paraphrase the great Melinda Barkhouse Ross on Spelljammer's release this week, I just want to go to space, man. <laughs> so for Melinda Barkhouse Ross, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse we thank you for listening and here's hoping you have yourself a great
You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.